Ah, God is good. Amen? Man, and can we give it up for the worship team, too, today? Um, man, I... Huh, it's funny because I was playing on the worship team. Not, I'm not saying to give it up for me, but you know what I mean. Um, give it up for the worship, especially that bass player. Um, no, it was... Uh, I just, I don't know about you guys, but man, um, I just felt the tangible presence of the Lord like in this room today, uh, special. Oh, man, just getting emotional thinking about it. It's so good. So anyways, thank you guys. I love worshiping with the body of Christ. I mean, it, it's, it's like our created purpose when we all come together and we're united in the the goal of lifting up and glorifying Jesus, it's like we're all put in the perfect place where we were designed to be. You know what I mean? It's like we found the place where we belong when we worship like that. And so thank you guys for worshiping the Lord authentically and, uh, and seeking him, lifting him up. It was a wonderful time. So uh, how many of you guys have been on a missions trip to like a third world country? Anybody been on a missions trip? Okay, awesome, awesome, that's great. Um, I, uh, I've been blessed to have that opportunity a few different times in my life, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. And the thing that I experienced was I would be on the mission field, we'd be doing like building a church, or we're ministering, or we're sharing the gospel, or we're praying for sick people, or whatever it is, just doing the work of Jesus. And when it was coming to an end, I never wanted to come home. <laughs> I was like, I just want to stay here. This is so awesome. I love it. And, and the people were always just incredible people. Uh, and I remember they would do a training of, uh, for culture shock, of when you would go to a new culture and you had to prepare yourself because it's different, you know. And so maybe you're not a touchy-feely person and this particular culture is very physically affectionate. Well, you got to get ready for that, you know. Or uh, maybe you're very time-sensitive and you like to be on time and have a very specific, strict schedule. And then you come into their culture and they... That is not how they operate. Um, so you prepare. But even reverse culture shock, I think, is, is a legitimate thing. It's when you're out there for a week, for two weeks, for a month, however long it is, and you come back to Western culture and to America, and it's a shock to your system because you've, you've taken on a different maybe perception or flow or rhythm of life that you've learned while you were there, and not, not to mention that, but these relationships that, that you developed are, are very, very special, and it becomes really hard to kind of come back to this world, you know, uh, and something that I've always appreciated and I've seen uh, in these Christian communities um, where they had absolutely nothing, but yet they were so full. I mean, just, they had so much gratitude. And you look at their lives, and, and they have literally hardly anything, and they had, they had experienced almost nothing but hardship their entire life, and yet, when they would worship everything in them, their heart just lifting up Jesus, and when they would talk to people, they just treated everyone with so much dignity and respect and just loved seeing you, and everything just seemed so authentic, and I would always ask myself, how do they do that? <laughs> like, there's literally, hearing their stories, it's just like one hardship after another, and loss, and grief, and all this stuff, but yet they had so much joy, and so much fulfillment, and, and gratitude, and love, 
And how, how is that possible? But I think I came to realize that their perception of life was different. And so instead of looking at life as their circumstances, the things that happen to them, the day-to-day, like this is life, life for them was Jesus. He was life. And so when they would look at their life and they say, hmm, how's my life? They would look up at Jesus and say, oh, life is good. Life is, in fact, life is perfect. Life is fulfilling. It's full of love and peace and mercy. Man, life is good. It was a different perception of the world and life. And so I want to talk about that today. The title of my message today is Lift Up Your Eyes. Lift Up Your Eyes. Um, Let's pray over the word. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your truth, for the word of God. Uh, Lord, guide us in all truth, Lord, as we dive into your word. Speak to our hearts. Um, And Lord, I just pray that if anything comes out of my mouth today that's of me, I just pray that it will fall to the ground and be fruitless. Lord, but I pray that your words will bear fruit that remains in our lives, Jesus. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, we finished out our series on ears to hear, uh, the, uh, the art of listening for the voice of God, and that was a lot of fun. And then John last week did an excellent job uh, just sharing about how we need to listen to what God is saying about us. What is he saying about you and I and the way he sees us and values us and our value to him into the kingdom of God? And so uh, it was an excellent, an excellent word last week, super encouraging. I got to listen to it while I was on my prayer retreat, and uh, I made sure to tune in uh, to our service online. So I was watching online. Um, it was great. So, uh, but this week I wanted to kick off a new series. Uh, we're going to spend just three weeks in this series, kind of through the Thanksgiving time, with this month being all about giving thanks, uh, I wanted to take a moment to kind of dive in to this idea of gratitude and how do we hold on to and grasp to a, to a life that's fully lived in gratitude, this new way or per, a way of perception, perceiving the world like we saw our friends have. Now, how do we live into that because uh, gratitude can be hard to come by. It can be hard, especially when times are difficult and dark, to like conjure gratitude. How do we have that? So Isaiah 40, verse 26 through 28, I want to start here. It says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. You know, we live in a world that is full of darkness. 
right? And I'm sure you guys have heard about the things that are happening in Israel right now and the terrorist attacks and some of the details of that horrific stuff, terrifying things, sheer evil in so many different ways. And there's hardship and there's grief and there's loss and there's heartache in our world. And it can, it's difficult when we look around us and when we're hearing from the news all the different things that are taking place to have gratitude, to give thanks, to be, to be grateful or positive. Like how is that even possible with this bombardment of negativity and of hardship in our world? And, and it's difficult to not get discouraged or disappointed or complain or, or grumble. You know, you know that verse in Philippians 2.14, it's like every parent's favorite verse to share with their kids do all things without grumbling or complaining, kids. That's the word of the Lord. Okay? Listen up to that. And then it's funny because then we'll go and we'll talk to our spouse and we'll grumble and complain about our kids grumbling and complaining. Um, so it's kind of funny how that works, but we, we won't talk about that here. Um, so, that, I mean, it's, it's easy to say, but it's a lot harder to live out, right? So why do we do it? And then you look at this verse. It says, why do you complain, Jacob, right? Why do you do that? But look at what he says. He says, you say, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. I think there's that feeling of my cause is disregarded. Like, God, do you not see me? Do you not see what's happening in the world? Do you not see the loss, the pain, the heartache? Do you not see that, God? So how do we stay positive thankful and grateful in light of this onslaught. How, how, how did those, those people that, that we were talking about, those believers, how did they continue through so much loss and so much hardship to continue to have this incredible attitude, this perception of life? How did they do that? How did they keep their eyes on Jesus? How, how did they, they, they keep their focus on him being their life? What about the heroes of the faith, right? In Hebrews 11, people who were tortured, and the Bible says they were sawn in two and stoned to death and all this stuff, and yet they continued to persevere and stay faithful and continue to give glory to God. Look at the prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all these incredibly difficult things that they endured, yet they would still have these moments of, of worship and gratitude and singing these psalms and hymns that they wrote for the glory of God. How... Is that possible? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So how is it that we don't grow weary and lose heart? He says, consider him who endured such opposition. He says, remember him. Lift up your eyes. Look to Jesus. Remember his sacrifice. You see, these, what you see in these people's lives and the heroes of our faith is they kept their eyes on Jesus and they also knew that this world was not their home. 
You know, Paul says in Romans 8, 16, that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. And by the way, he's talking to a persecuted church. Light affliction, like people being martyred. He's like, it's not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. They knew this world wasn't their home. They knew that God was preparing a place for them. And that's why they were able to continue to persevere and continue to give thanks and have gratitude. You see two core values that help mold their perspective. One was gratitude for the past. You see this in these godly men and women, that they would look back and give thanks for all that God had done. They would remember the good deeds of the Lord, the wonderful deeds of God and and how he had moved in their life. So they would look back and take moments of being intentional to remember, look at what God did then and look at what God did there and look how he healed, look how he liberated, look look how he satisfied there, look at how he rescued me there and they would remember together and they will remind each other of the goodness of God and the grace of God in their past so they would have gratitude for what had happened in his move in the past, but also they had hope for the future. So they had gratitude for the past and they had hope for the future. They looked up from their present circumstances and conditions and they looked for God behind them and before them. They looked for God and and where he was active and what he was doing behind them in their past. And they looked at what he was going to do, his promises before them. So over the next three weeks, uh, I want to talk about truths that we see in scripture that we can always give thanks for, no matter what, in any season no matter what's happening in our lives, truths that we can always give thanks for, truths that transcend the circumstances of our lives, the conditions and the brokenness of our world. So today, we're gonna start with the truth that God is good. God is good. And it was so cool, by the way, um, the song list for worship today had the You Are Good song, right? The King of My Heart song in it. I had no idea. I didn't tell anybody that. Um, And yet that was like one of the songs that I think Jenny chose. And it was just, it was perfect. It was so cool how the Holy Spirit does that. I love those little moments. God's threading everything together. It's amazing. So gratitude for God's goodness. In each of these three weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to camp out in a psalm. So we're going to pick one psalm and we're just going to hang out there and, and see what the Word of God says to us about gratitude. Okay, so today we're going to camp out in Psalms 107. 107. If, you, if you're not familiar with that one, it's excellent. Spend some time in that. Like after today, just read the whole thing. I'm not going to be able to quote all of it. It's, very, it's long. Um, but man, it's so good. Um, so dive into that. Okay, so Psalms 107, verses 1 through 3. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. So the psalm begins, it says, give thanks to the Lord. 
give thanks. And you're like, all right, why? Well, he is good. Give thanks for he is good. Okay, well, how do I know that he's good? Oh, his love endures forever. Oh, okay, his love endures. That sounds good. Um, how do we know that his love endures forever? Listen to each other's stories. Look at what it says. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. If we take some time to listen to each other's stories of what God has done in our lives, the freedom that he has brought, the healing, the life that he has given us, the way he's rescued us and saved us, we take some time to listen to each other's stories, we'll realize, yeah, his love endures forever. Oh, and yeah, he is good. Oh, and he deserves my thanks. Amen? Revelations 12, 11 says, they triumphed over the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So in this world that is so dark and heavy, how do we overcome? By the blood of Jesus, the grace of God, and by the word of our testimony, the stories of his grace. It's knowing his grace and his goodness and what he has done for us and looking back at our life and then hearing from each other's lives. That's how we overcome. A light shines in the darkness, right? But the darkness cannot overcome it. That's Jesus. That's the grace of God. And so in Psalms 107, it goes on to start telling stories. It's awesome. So it says, how do we know that his love endures? How do we know that he is good? Well, let the redeemed tell their stories, and you'll see it. And then it goes on to tell four different unique stories of the goodness of God, proof of his goodness. So we're going to look at four proofs of God's goodness in Psalms 107. Number one, God satisfies. God satisfies the longing of the human heart. He satisfies. Psalms 107, verse 8 and 9 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. When we are longing and yearning for different things in our lives, what we're ultimately longing and yearning for is Jesus. That's what it is that we want. We might not know that. We might be longing for acceptance or longing for purpose or longing for love or comfort or peace. But ultimately what it is that our heart is actually longing for, it's the presence of God. It's him. That's what we're longing for. And that's why he's the only one that can fulfill those longings. We can have temporary fulfillment, temporary things that kind of put a band-aid on the wound or, or the need, but only he can satisfy the longing of the human heart. It's because he is life, and that's what we long for. So how do we know he does that? Well, the word of God makes it clear. Psalm 1611, he says, you make known to me the path of life. So the path to life, 
Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly or life in all of its fullness. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life. So I have come that you might have life. And he says that you show me the path of life. Jesus said that I'm going to give you living water so that you'll never thirst again and so that you will have life. My words are truth. They are spirit and they are life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like, it's all over. It's all scripture. It's there. Jesus saying, he's like, I am life. You make known to me the path of life, Psalm 16, 11. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. He talks about how the Lord is his inheritance, his cup, everything that he needs. He is my portion, and I need nothing else. David said it in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack no good thing. Because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, right? So we lack nothing in his presence. And today, like when we were worshiping today, and you have those moments in the presence of the Lord, I don't know about you, but in those moments, there's nothing that I want other than him. I don't, I don't feel a need for anything else, just more of that, <laughs> more of Jesus So, the Lord satisfies. He has and he will. So, just like those heroes of the faith, let's take a moment. Let's look behind us. Where has God satisfied you? What were those moments, those times of refreshing that you've had in the presence of the Lord? Remember those. Take a moment. Think about that. God, those moments where and everything, I, I felt like I had everything I need. I was fully content because I touched the heart of God. I, I, well, maybe it was in prayer. Maybe it was in worship. Maybe you were reading the word. Maybe it was during a message. Maybe it was at a conference, whatever. But you just, you experienced the fulfillment of Jesus. So we look back and we give thanks. He has behind us. But and then we look ahead and he will. You know, when we go to be with Christ, when we step through the threshold of death and move into eternity, we shall lack no good thing. We fully satisfied, completely content. There's no end, right? Time, there's no time. So you can't run out of time. There's no fear because it's just abundance forever. Abundance of love, abundance of time. Abu so there's just contentment. Complete satisfaction in Jesus. Because we're in the presence of the Lord. Right? To be absent from the world is to be present with Christ. To live is Christ. To die is gain. So we have that waiting for us. But we also can have hope that more times of refreshing will come here on this earth. Jesus said, hey, you'll have tribulation in this world. Guarantee it. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen. So God satisfies. We can give thanks. He is good. He satisfies. Number two, God liberates. 
Psalms 107 verse 14 through 16 says, He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. We were bound to sin, right? Slaves of sin. And Jesus set us free. And whom has the Son has set free is free indeed, right? You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. Jesus came to set us free. And it was amazing when you hear them describe Jesus' deliverance ministry, he would cast demons out with a word. I love that. A word. He just needs a word. Go. Done. Just a word, and he would set people free. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life is life and freedom in Jesus. Now remember, that doesn't mean it's always going to be comfortable. Right? It doesn't mean that we're exempt from loss. Or hardship. But in the midst, we can have a life and freedom. In the midst of pain, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of our grief and our loss. The difference is we're not bound by grief. We're not bound by loss. Yes, we experience it, but Jesus is experiencing it there with us. And because of that, we're still free. We're free. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He has and he will behind us and before us. He liberates. Maybe when you look behind you at the times where God has brought freedom in your life, maybe it was an addiction that God broke in your life, addiction to drugs or alcohol or pornography or something of that nature, and yet God set you free. Maybe you are carrying a weight, a burden, heaviness in your life that you could not escape from and you cannot find freedom from, and then Jesus came, and in a moment, he sets you free. We can look behind us and we can have gratitude for the past of, oh, I see God liberating me up to this moment, and then we can look ahead. Before us, he will. When we meet Jesus at the end of our lives and we step through that door, we're free completely. There is nothing, no chains on me. I got no strings on me, right? Nothing. We're free, we're alive. We've woken up to life. He goes to prepare a place for us, right? And we're completely free. Never again do we have to carry that weight. And also, we have hope for our future here that yet again, he will set us free. That's what he does. He sets the prisoners free. And so if we find ourselves again in bondage, 
we find ourselves again oppressed. We find ourselves again carrying a weight. We find ourselves again in an addiction. He's done it before. He can do it again. And he will do it permanently. He has and he will before us and behind us. God liberates. He is good. Number three, God heals. Psalms 107, verse 20 through 22, he sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. There are so many stories of God healing people in scripture. In the Old Testament, whether it was prophets or someone else, God was healing. The New Testament, Jesus, every single person that came to Jesus left healed. People that Jesus didn't even know were coming after him got healed. Like the woman with the issue of blood. They didn't even, she, he didn't know she was coming. And she came and she's like, I'm going to touch the hem of his robe and I'm going to be made whole. She did. Boom. Power went out from Jesus. She gets healed. He turns around. He's like, who touched me? Disciples are like, we're in a throng of people, Jesus. What are you talking about? Who touched you? There's people everywhere. But he knew someone touched him with a touch of faith. Turns around. Oh, hey, it's the woman. Hey, Go. Be of good cheer. You're made well. He healed. Look at the description of Jesus' ministry in Acts 10.38. God anointed Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That's what he did. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed. That's the God we serve. Every person who came to Jesus, we walked away healed. And then you have the prayer of the apostles in Acts chapter 4. Lord, will you stretch out your hand to heal? May signs and wonders be done through your holy servant Jesus. And you see it through the book of Acts. God, healing people. The Great Commission says, go preach the gospel to every creature, and these signs will follow them that believe. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. He, everywhere it says that God heals. Now, are there times where we pray for someone to be healed and it doesn't happen? Of course, yes, absolutely. Do I know why? No, nope. I don't. But I'm going to believe what Jesus believed for and what I see his disciples believing for and what I see in Scripture, God heals. And this is proof of his goodness. He has and he will. Look behind you. What are the times where God brought healing in your life? And maybe it wasn't physical healing. Maybe it was. Maybe it was a broken heart. God came to heal the brokenhearted. Maybe God healed you there. Maybe it was a relationship that was broken and God healed that and reconciled it. How has God healed you? And we give thanks for the way he's brought healing into our lives and wholeness. And then we look ahead. There will be no pain, no suffering, no death, and no sickness when we're with Jesus. Amen? We don't carry, have to carry around this meat sack anymore. And we are free and we are healed and whole. Can you imagine that? Like, no, you're never tired. 
You're never just, I mean, you're just, there's no weariness. You're just a fully alive. That's the hope that we have to come. That's what we get to look forward to. And in between, God will continue to heal. Our hearts, our minds, our relationships, our bodies. God heals. Before us and behind us. He is good. Number four, last one. God saves. Thank God that he saves. Amen? Psalms 107, 29 through 31, it describes a story of people who are in a storm on a ship and their boat was about to be capsized and they're all going to drown and they're, they're crying out to God to save them. Verse 29, it says, He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were, clad, they were glad when they grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. The devil comes to destroy. Jesus comes to save. He came to seek and save those who are lost. That's what Jesus does. He saves us from our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That's the consequence. That's the punishment of sin. Break God's laws. Death is the punishment. But the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. God, thank God he saved us from our sin. Thank God that we have that hope that we get to look forward to. Thank God that we have the day where we will be fully satisfied in Christ. We have the day where we will be fully liberated in Jesus. We have the day where we'll be completely whole and healed. Because of Jesus. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.23, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10, but Romans 6.23, wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. He has saved us from our sin. He's saved us from death. And now we don't have to be afraid. Death has lost its sting. No, we don't have to be afraid to die. We're just walking through. We're just stepping through a doorway into life. It's like we're alive and then we're more alive. How awesome is that? We have that hope. The greatest fear of our age is death. We don't have to have that fear. Because of Jesus. Because of the cross of Christ. And not only that, but you see in this passage, he calms the storms. He's a safe haven. He's a refuge and a strong tower. Give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. His love endures forever. Here's the proof. Give thanks because God satisfies. Give thanks because God liberates. Give thanks because God heals. Give thanks because God saves. He has saved us from our sin. Think of the times where he saved you, where he swooped in and he rescued you when you had nothing left. Think of the moments where you came to the end of your rope. You hit rock bottom. Who came in? Jesus did. 
Think of that, but then think ahead. When he finally, once and for all, liberates us from the darkness in this world. And then all the times in between here, now and then, where he will come in again and he will rescue and rescue and rescue and save and save and save. Because that's what he does. Amen. So I want to close with this. We always have a reason to give thanks. Always. To have gratitude. Why? The Lord is good. We can see his goodness behind us. We have hope for his goodness before us. This is how we lift up our eyes. No matter what it is that we're experiencing, no matter what we are in the midst of, can lift up our eyes and we can say life is Jesus and guess what life is good because <laughs> he is praise God for that no matter what comes we always have gratitude don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that what you're feeling right now is all there is because that is what he does he will lie and he will say, what you're feeling right now, this experience, this thing that happened to you, this loss, this grief, this hardship, this pain, this is all there is. There is no hope. It's a lie. So we shut up the devil with truth, right? That transcends that. And we can say, we can give a sacrifice of praise. Or even though I feel this, soul, bless the Lord. We tell our soul, soul, bless him because he is good and his love endures forever. So this is what I want to do. I want to take a moment and I, will, I want us to look behind. Could you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Take a moment and look behind you. Look at how God has satisfied. Look at those times of refreshing that have come in the presence of the Lord. Look at how God has satisfied your longing heart. When you're yearning for something, look at how he's done that in your past. Remember, look at how God has liberated he set you free from burdens and weights that you've carried look back at the healing that brought it and God has brought in your life when it seemed like everything was nothing but darkness within you and around you there was light in Jesus look back at how he's rescued Jesus, would you remind us of your goodness? It's so easy to forget. It's so easy in a moment we can just forget it all because something bad happens, something comes up in our life. So Lord, help us. Help us to remember your goodness. And Lord, help us tell our stories to each other. Help us to listen to our stories around us. And then, Lord God, give us grace to look ahead at the hope 
that lies before us. You are good. And so, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. If I could just take a moment and just invite our prayer team. If you're on the prayer team, if you wouldn't mind just coming up to the sides up here. Listen, if you're here, every bit, every head bowed and every eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you say, Neil, I've, I've never experienced any of this. I don't even know what you're talking about. I haven't experienced satisfaction or liberation or healing or salvation, rescuing. I don't even know what you're talking about. This is what Jesus came to give us and to offer us, his life. Jesus took our sin upon himself Every wrong that we have done, everything that we've, every mistake we've made, Jesus said, I'm going to take the punishment in place of my kids. And Jesus was crucified on the cross, experienced the most excruciating death, gave up his life willingly so that we could be saved so that we might have life. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. It's just trust, saying, Jesus, I trust in your death, your sacrifice, so I can be forgiven. That's all it is. It's just a decision to put our faith in Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eyes closed, this is what I want to do. If you say, I want to make that decision today, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, this is what we're going to do. We're all going to pray together. And I just want you to talk to Jesus and let him know that you're putting your faith in him. And so would you all just repeat this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for saving me. Lord, I ask that you forgive me of all of my sins. I repent. I turn away from sinful living and I choose to follow you. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I choose today to be your disciple. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you're here and you would like to receive prayer, our prayer team will be available as we worship. If you made a decision to accept Jesus, please come and talk to a member of the prayer team. Talk to me if you want to after service. I'd be happy to talk with you about that. Um, But this is what we're gonna do. Everyone just stand to your feet. We're gonna close by giving thanks. We're going to worship. We remember, we look back, we look before, we look around. Let's take a moment and let's worship Jesus for he is good.
just take a moment and we say thank you. We give thanks that you are good. You satisfy, set free, you heal and you save. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May God is good the time. That's right. He is good all the time. I love you guys. I appreciate you so much. Again, if you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Um, love to talk with you. Next week, we're going to continue in our series, going to dive into another truth uh, that remains the same no matter what that we can always give thanks for. I'll see you next week. Love you guys.